0: the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to ignite kingdom purpose and equip you to realize your kingdom potential for a global harvest. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, and share this with your friends so they can be empowered. Today, Pastor Shane Cheek from Owasso, Oklahoma, talks to us about the catastrophic consequences of constantly comparing our life to those around us instead of looking to God. Don't go anywhere. You do not want to miss today's episode. Hello, Oklahoma next gen. Pastor Shane Cheek, Owasso, Oklahoma. What an honor it is to once again have the privilege of being able to speak to you all via this podcast method. I pray that this medium is a blessing to you and that I can try to communicate some spiritual concepts today that will be a blessing to you in your life and challenge you from the word of the Lord. Along with pastoring for now 13 years, I have been involved in the business world for a number of years as a consultant and also as a a business owner. I've always found um, marketing concepts to be highly intriguing, whether it be Nike's infamous Just Do It, Coca-Cola's infamous, the original Coca-Cola uh, I've always found marketing campaigns to be fascinating to observe what it takes to get people to identify with a message. But of all the marketing campaigns done in American history, one marketing campaign throughout the years has has superseded all other marketing campaigns. And that is the now very infamous Army slogan of being all that you can be. Now, 25 years into ministry, 13 as a pastor, seven prior to that as a youth pastor, I will tell you something that I've observed throughout the years and the older I get, the more convinced I am it is the case that the best that you can be has an enemy. Being the best that you can be has a notable Enemy. And I am convinced that that enemy is what I call this podcast the catastrophic consequences of constant comparison. What do I mean when I say that the greatest enemy of being all that you can be are the catastrophic consequences of constant comparison? Too many times I am afraid that the devil fools us and tricks us into the trap of measuring ourselves among ourselves. The devil I have watched for years take young people, young couples, young families who want to do something for the Lord. And as God begins to call them and deal with them and challenge them, he wants to take that younger person that single young adult that young couple and family yay even honestly even more mature those of us who have been around a while and get you into the trap of measuring yourself against those that are sitting around you the devil wants to ask you and get you to ask yourself when you feel a little conviction about your walk with god when you feel a little prompting about being used of god When you feel the tug of God's spirit about drawing closer to him, your pursuit of spiritual excellence. One of the things I've witnessed throughout the years is is the age old adage when somebody begins to be challenged and pursued and begins to be called to do something great for God is then they succumb to a little phraseology. Well, you know, I'm not doing too bad. After all, I'm doing better than those that are around me. After all, uh I may not be praying as much as I should be, but I'm doing better than so and so. Hey, I may not be showing my willingness to serve, but I I'm, I'm doing better than so and so. Hey, I may not be applying myself to excellence, excellence in a, in any way in my life, but uh, hey, I'm I'm I know I'm doing better than so and so. And unfortunately, when we succumb to these constant comparisons and we look around and find some of our peers and others in our group of influence that are not doing what they need to be doing, then we begin to feel better about ourselves because in comparison to them, we're doing better. If we're not careful, we'll look around at those who are not doing what they should be doing and get a uh, disillusioned sense of approval uh, that we that we are doing what we should be doing. We'll almost tell ourselves, I I must be doing pretty good after all. At least I'm not backsliding. At least uh, I'm still going to church. At at least I'm not going out and partying and getting drunk and doing drugs and doing what they're doing. And the devil can pat us on the back and tell us that we're okay. However, the Bible tells us that we are not to use this kind of a measuring stick. The Bible clearly tells us that if we compare ourselves among ourselves, we do not well. Why is this? The reason why is that the measuring stick is not what somebody else is doing. The real measuring stick is not how I'm doing in comparison to anybody else. The measuring stick, the only measuring stick, is how I am doing when it comes to what God has called me to do. The measuring stick is, am I, excuse me, am I being everything that God has called me to be? Am I becoming what God has called me to become? I am concerned uh, with young people, young aspiring ministry, uh, those that God is trying to call. I'm convinced uh, that there are those that would be used. There are those that God desires to use that God wants to call into to ministry and whether it be in lay ministry or missionaries evangelists and church helpers and uh, all of the various different things of making the kingdom of God move forward. Uh, and I, I have witnessed uh, firsthand multiple times when the call of God's spirit comes to somebody and God's trying to get them to move forward, trying to get them to excel. And then there's that rationale line of things as well. You know, uh, pastor, I I may not be doing this, but at least I'm not doing that. When did the high watermark become for us just simply not backsliding? God did not save you just to save you. If God would have saved you just to save you, he would have saved you and then taken you. But all of us that God has saved were called for a purpose. We were saved for a reason. We were called out of the kingdom of darkness to help build the kingdom of God. And so the watermark then is not what anybody else is doing. It's not the constant comparison to justify uh, what I'm not doing or pursuing what God's call is for me based upon what anybody else to do. But the only watermark, the only benchmark that God uses in our lives is what did I do with the call he placed on my life? This quote always challenges me. It is said that the greatest gap in humanity is the gap from what I am to what I could be. Let me say that again. The greatest gap in all of humanity is the gap from what I could be to what I am. Why is this taking place? I am convinced that it is because we get involved in the catastrophic consequences of constant comparison. It is said of the great composer Beethoven that he died with his best still in him. Beethoven died in his 30s, and it is said that as great as he was in his 30s, Imagine how incredible he could have been in his 60s. And I am convinced that there are incredible young people, incredible aspiring college career and hyphen young people all over this movement that uh, when God begins to deal with you and begins to call you to excellence and begins to call you to spiritual pursuit and begins to call you to step up higher, that one of the primary means that the devil uses to bring you back down to size and bring you back down to speed is just to simply get you to look around at somebody else who is not doing what they should be doing. And that becomes a method to justify our own spiritual pursuit. Let me give you a text to attach to this narrative that has been a uh, convicting portion of Scripture for me for many, many years now. We read the account in John chapter 21 of Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. In verse number 15, Jesus, of course, as most of us know, asked Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, Yea, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus comes back to him a second time and asks him, Simon, Peter, do you love me? Peter, of course, responds once again in the affirmative, Lord, you know that I love you. Once again, Jesus says, feed my sheep. He comes back a third time. Simon, do you love me? And Peter, the Bible said, was grieved because he's been asked now three times if you If you love me, Peter, with a little bit of exasperation, it seems like in his voice says, Lord, you know, everything and, you know, I love you. Jesus wants to again, gives him a job description to feed my sheep. This encounter, how many of us have have asked the Lord for direction? How many of us have sought the Lord prayerfully? Through his word at meetings and camps and conferences, that God would speak to us his direction. Peter undoubtedly wondered what his calling was. He wondered where his ministry would take him. He wondered what the Lord wanted him to do. And in this moment of time, Peter gets a direct word from Jesus Christ himself no less than three times. Jesus gives him a job description. Jesus tells him what his calling is. Jesus tells him what he is supposed to do. He tells him three times, Peter, I want you to go feed sheep. Wow. How many of us would love to have that happen? How many would love of us would love for Jesus to personally speak to us exactly what his will was and is for our life and Peter got that. But then I'm stunned and I have found myself in times past to be in this exact same position. Peter has no sooner been giving a word from God three times about what he's supposed to do. And in verse number 20 of John 21, the Bible tells us that Peter turns and he sees the disciple that Jesus loved. And in verse number 21, Peter asks an incredulous question. Peter sees John just after having been given his job description. And Peter says, Lord, what about, what about this man? Jesus, in my own uh, reading of this passage, I can almost, it seems to me, feel the exasperation of the master as Jesus looks at Peter and he says, if it is my will that John remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, Peter who's been given a command by God to feed sheep. Peter, Jesus knows in a few short days is gonna fail him. He's gonna deny him three times. And in the guilt and the shame of that failure, Peter's going to almost shipwreck. But there's a message that Jesus is calling Peter to preach. We know that message to be in Acts chapter two, but Acts chapter two, is still weeks away and right now Jesus has just given Peter a job description on what he's supposed to do with his life. His calling is to feed sheep. There's a message that Peter is going to preach that Jesus needs Peter to preach, that Jews need Peter to preach, that we Gentiles need Peter to preach and that message is going to be Pentecost. But right now that message hangs in the balance of will Peter succumb to the catastrophic consequences of constant comparing himself to another disciple for he looks at John the disciple that Jesus loved the word says and Peter almost it seems slips as he almost succumbs to the catastrophic consequences of losing focus and losing sight on what God was calling him to do because he got distracted by what Jesus was gonna call John to do. You see, the measuring mark for Peter's life was was absolutely in no way connected to what John was going to do. Whatever Jesus had John doing was none of Peter's concern. I've watched this in my own life. I've had to guard against it in my own spirit. Uh, I come to you today trying to challenge some young person that will hear this podcast. The measure of God's call on your life has nothing to do with what others are doing Get your eyes off what others are doing. Get your eyes off of what they're reaching for. Get your eyes off of their carnality. Get your eyes upon maybe even how God is using them because the catastrophic consequences of constantly comparing is the will of God will not be done in your life if you've always got your eyes on the Johns in your life. You will not become what God is calling you to be as long as you're constantly watching what John is doing and Pentecost doesn't get preached. I wonder how many Sunday school classes have not been taught. I've pondered how many Bible studies have not been scheduled. How many musicians have never learned to play? How many prayer warriors have not prayed? How many missionaries have not went? How many churches have not been planted? How many things have not been done in the kingdom And if you could boil back the ingredients and peel back the layers, you would find that somebody was frozen in comparison mode. Well, I can't play like they play. I can't sing like they sing. I can't teach like they teach. I can't reach like they reach. There's no way I can do that because so-and-so does it better. Young person, hear me young child of God, aspiring young preacher, young family that wants to be used of God, if you can hear this pastor's heartbeat from a wasso, I urge you to run from the catastrophic consequences of constant comparison. Oh, that God would set us free. Oh, that God would deliver us from looking around at what so-and-so is doing or what so-and-so is not doing and just follow him the bible and i leave you with one more illustration from god's word the bible says about king david following his kill of goliath that the ladies of the city as david begins to come back to jerusalem king saul leads the processional and of saul the ladies Singers of the city musicians begin to write a song about Saul. And they would just sing, Saul has slain his thousands. Saul undoubtedly puffed up in his chair, his horse, as he rides, and he he feels good about himself. He knows he really hasn't, he really hasn't done what God had called him to do, but he feels good. He's he's slain his thousands, and Saul's riding. But then as David enters into the eyesight of those young singers and ladies and uh, musicians of Jerusalem, the tune changes and now it begins to sound like this. Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. All of a sudden, God's man, the man that God anointed to be king in Israel, the man with a call... Because of his own willful disobedience to that call, that man falls prey to the catastrophic consequences of constant comparison. And thus begins a journey from that moment with Saul would be going out trying to destroy the young potential King David. All because I maintain he got caught up in what David was doing. In one passage of scripture, David literally looks at him in 1 Samuel 24 and 13 and says, After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom does thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? In other words, David is saying, of all of the things you could be doing, Saul, of all of the great victories you could be winning, Saul, of all of the battles that need to be fought and the kingdom that needs to be run, Samuel, uh, Samuel records the narrative of Saul spending his waning days chasing a young shepherd boy across caves and fields because he was caught up in constant comparison. Saul did not become what God wanted him to become. Could it not have been said the reason why? He got his eyes off of the goal. Child of God, I'll leave you today in this podcast. Hope I've been a blessing to you. Whatever God is calling you to do, chase it. Whatever God is, whatever dreams God is putting in your world, I urge you to pursue it whatever God is calling you, whatever level of consecration God is calling you to, if God has convicted you, if God has called you, if God has dealt with you about something he wants you to lay down, something he wants you to pick up, a task he wants you to do, something he wants you to get involved in, don't use as the mechanism for not being what God wants you to be, to look around and find somebody else who's not doing what God's calling you to do or is you can't achieve that level and use that and say, well, you know, I, I just can't do that. This is what next gen is all about. This is the vision of Brother and Sister Hughes is to challenge young, aspiring apostolic young leaders. I pray for you. I ask God's word to lodge in your heart right now and that God would set you free from the catastrophic consequences of comparing yourself with somebody else. God didn't call them. He called you. God didn't ask them to do it. He asked you. And I pray that God gives you the grace to pursue everything that he has for you in your life. I'll finish with this. Again, thank you again for the honor of speaking into your world. I pray God's richest blessings upon you and your life. Look forward to seeing you at our next live event sometime in the future. And I pray God blesses your life. Pursue. Pursue God. Pursue excellence. Pursue spiritual importunity. Pursue the things of God. And don't look around at what anybody else is doing. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media. So you stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this episode ignites something within you.